The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more with The Plant Profits, powered by Protus Global. Hello, everyone. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits. Thanks for showing up today. Really appreciate that. Uh, my guest today is an experienced culture marketer with expertise in building brands. Uh, and he's built brands via non-traditional marketing channels. Uh, he has co-founded the first ever cannabis venture studio. And we're going to learn more about that. I think that's interesting framing of words. That's building a portfolio of consumer first cannabis brands rooted in transparency which is so important, research uh, and education. I'm really excited that we're going to actually talk marketing and cannabis here on the show. And I think that's a, uh, that's a big deal. Please welcome to Plant Profits, my guest, Michael Kamins, and he is the co-founder, partner at Open Nest Labs. Michael, how are you, brother? Uh, I'm doing really well, Vernon. Really appreciate you having me on the podcast, and and really excited to, you know, talk about you know my background and my journey, and also you know answer any questions on on marketing and just like you know what I you know where I where I'm seeing the industry at the moment. Yeah, man, that's cool. I don't I don't recognize uh, an accent that I can pin you to from a geographical perspective. But where where are you from? Uh, I'm from New Jersey, <clears throat> so <laughs> I can't believe you know, it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes people can hear it. I guess it's you know when when my my temper flares a little bit, okay. like road rage, and like okay. the accent comes out a little bit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I grew up in uh, in the northern part of New Jersey in a town called Short Hills, okay. essentially a suburb of New York City, just twelve yeah. miles out. So New York is is my home city. And, is that uh, near Hoboken? Yeah, super close. Yeah, uh, probably like fifteen. I've been there. Plus. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, yeah, I've been to your, your, your town, uh, been through it anyway. Yeah. Uh, may have stopped, but I've been there, uh, years ago. Yeah, man. That's, uh, that's cool. Now. So, um, how in the world did you get to Bloomington, Indiana? Now, you know, I'm in Indianapolis. Oh, really? So yeah, man. So I know a little bit about IU and Bloomington. Amazing. So, So how did you get there? from the skirts of the city? You know, su- surprisingly, uh, IU is, is I mean, obviously, you know, it's, it's a, you know, a, a really big state school, but there's a pretty large uh, Northeast contingency that goes there. So, yeah. you know, when I was in high school, I had been exposed to, you know, like my brother, who's three years older, he had some friends that went there. And when I was looking at colleges to go to, um, that was one that was on my radar, great business school. Yeah. Uh, like a nice juxtaposition from, you know, growing up in a suburb of uh, New York City. Um, and, you know, overall, it just was, you know, looking back at it, it was an amazing experience and uh, absolutely yeah. loved it. Like great school spirit, you know, uh, great history in school sports like basketball. Yeah. Unfortunately, the time that I was there was like the worst in Hoosier. Who was the coach? So what was happening? What was happening? So if I recall, Calvin Sampson was the coach and there was some recruiting violations in my freshman year. You know what's so bad about that, man, is that he really was doing a great job with the team. 
Yeah. And and what he got in trouble for uh, then is not even an issue today. Yeah, uh, I mean, like all the big, you know, yeah. big D1 college coaches, like recruiting is so important. And I can only imagine how many <laughs> recruiting violations wow. across like all the other like, you know, prominent coaches in, in NCAA. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I still went to all the games and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, no, well, it was part of the scene. I mean, you, you, you have to go into the stadium and, and, um, uh, I mean, it's hard to get a ticket there, even as a, as a student, I'm sure, you know, to, yeah, to get even, into it. Even, even at their worst, it was 100% sold out stadium. <laughs> oh man. So what effect that coming to the Midwest and, and a place called Bloomington, Indiana, which is all about the 50,000 students, uh, what, you know, what did, what did you get from that experience that gave you a check mark from an expectation perspective, but also surprised you because you never thought it would happen? Yeah, I mean, it definitely was, uh, you know, way more of a melting pot than the town that I grew up in. Uh, and I mean, like, think about it, like I was, you know, in my my late teens going to college, so I didn't really have the experience of living in New York City, which you know is right. one of the most diverse places on the planet, but right. um, just a, such a different environment that I grew up in, and so many different people and, and walks of life. And I, uh, my, I guess my my course and path while I was at Indiana was um, business school, and I had been admitted uh, directly into their undergraduate business school. Fantastic program. Yeah. Um, and wanted to take advantage of that. So in terms of like the social experience and uh, the educational experience that really mm -hmm. built like the foundation for, you know, what eventually would become my, you know, career path was um, I, I couldn't imagine it going, you know, any better considering, you know, the, the journey mm -hmm. that, that I, that I went on and, and where I, you know, where I'm at right now. No, that's great. Um, it, it, how, how how did it um, from a connectivity perspective that I IU treat you kindly from a perspective of 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 uh, connecting with folks of like mind folks that you still you you still or or uh, have helped each other do the things you do in your adult life? Yeah, I mean, some of my best friends in the entire yeah. world, you know, go back to you know my days in Indiana. Obviously, through each period of my life, <clears throat> whether it's like high school, my undergrad, or my MBA, and and the various jobs in between, have met some really, really incredible people. But you know, looking back at Indiana and mm -hmm. just you know the the strength of the the business school, like from a professional perspective, the the connectivity there was incredible. Networking with alumni. Yeah. Um, and just like, you know, the, the the friends and everyone that I came across um, just throughout the the way on the social side was um, incredible. Like, you know, just met some really amazing people. For sure. oh, that's great. So so you you left IU and you got into the financial community. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I was in college. You were kind of a number junkie. I mean, you were. Yeah, you know, I, I've always been <laughs> definitely a little bit more of a creative mind for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was in college 2006 to 2010. Obviously, that was, you know, like right in the right smack in the middle of that was the, the financial yeah. uh, recession. Right. But, um, you know, at the time, 
banking and trading was something that I wanted to do, or at least that's what I thought I wanted to do. And sure. Um, I think there was just like a lot of hype around it, uh, as like a, you know, a really viable, uh, career path with a, you know, a strong trajectory. Mm-hmm. And so I put myself into the, um, into that path and through the business program and, uh, ended up majoring in finance. Also, uh, got a degree in astrophysics, which is, um, did you really? Yeah. yeah. So it was <laughs> a little bit more of a, a personal passion of mine. Like growing up, I was always this like closet fi geek uh and loved <laughs> i can't believe i'm saying this publicly because i've always kind of kept this with friends and family but i'll say hey man that's what happens on plant profits you say <laughs> things out loud that you just never think you would ever say i know you know it's just, <laughs> i gotta make it interesting and and show people the depth of of uh of my uh personality but um i always loved star trek uh as like uh-huh. one of my favorite tv shows growing up and and that kind of inspired me uh, to take one class uh, in astronomy <clears throat> that ultimately ended up leading me to get a double major uh, <laughs> and finish my curriculum or like all the courses to, to get yeah. to astrophysics. So that was, it was a lot of fun and something I've always been just like personally passionate and interested about. No, that's cool. That, that is very cool. Then you, you got out of school and then you first went into, you went back, you went back, basically back home, went to yeah. New York City, right? And and got in with AIG and 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 start doing some analytics and derivatives and et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So you know, after school uh, on on the finance track, mm-hmm. uh, was interviewing with a bunch of banks and and trading desks, and ended up uh, getting a job with AIG um, as a derivative trader, uh, really focused on foreign exchange and cross currencies. Okay. And um, you know, I really. I guess getting into it, I really loved like this macroeconomic uh, outlook and like how all the different economies play with each other and how that mm-hmm. affects the different, you know, uh, you know, uh, exchange rates and and cross currency translations between the different currencies from different countries and how all of the factors that are kind of calculated in order to to figure out the differences between those currencies. So it's like economic and political risk and you know you're really tapped into the newswire and um it sounds adrenaline you know it builds i mean that it's just very stimulating like there's a lot of adrenaline built built around that yeah i mean like it 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 definitely was i'd say you know in all honesty it wasn't like the high frequency trading that is maybe like depicted on on television for sure like you know, just to get into it really quickly, AIG, they, they big insurance and financial services company, they have, they offer insurance policies across the, across the world. So insurance policies and, you know, China and Hong Kong and Japan and, you know, all of throughout Europe and those policies are in those like functional currencies. And so uh, in order to, I guess, mitigate future uh, changes in mm-hmm. the, you know, foreign exchange rates, we essentially would place, place like cross-currency swaps uh, and yeah. what they call FX forwards um, in order to predict what those exchange rates would be when we would have to translate the, the dollar amount from the functional currency back into the, the home currency, which is the U.S. dollar. Yeah. And so, I know that might bore a bunch of No, no, no. It's, 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 it, but it, it kept your ear to the ground about everything, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, it certainly gave me uh, an appreciation for, you know, everything, everything finance. But I remember mm-hmm. about, you know, two to three years in really feeling like 
this wasn't the long-term path <laughs> for me. Yeah. Um, and I had always felt like I needed to kind of like flex a little bit more of like my creative. Uh, my yeah, you, you mentioned that earlier that you always considered yourself a, a creative guy and you were in this financial community. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're, you're kind of like breaking out, I'm sure. And we're going to get into what you kind of got into uh, yep. after this break. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits and having fun today with Michael Caymans. Uh, Michael is co-founder and partner at Open Nest Labs. And um, uh, we'll, we'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. The Plant Profits are back to lead the pursuit of the promised land of plant profit. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, I'm Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today is Michael Caymans, and uh, he is the co-founder and part, he's a partner, obviously, at Openness Labs. And we're just talking about his financial grounding. Um, he's a creative guy, and uh, he uh, got a finance degree, so he probably thought, well, let me put it to work for a little bit. And he did that, but found out I am a creative guy, so I got to do something else. You know, and and so um, it's it's quite interesting. You know, you decided to do something else. You got decided to get out of AIG, and and around the same time, you were also making a decision on going to get an MBA, right? Yeah, I mean, it really all kind of started where I almost had this like very early, like early life crisis, and really feeling like finance, financial <laughs> services wasn't like the end all be all for me, and yeah. And I, and, you know, to, all, to anyone out there who kind of like feel stuck, like they don't know what their like path is. Yeah. Um, I think it's like totally okay. I just not, not everyone needs to like have the answer right now. And those answers will reveal itself. And I think for me, when I was thinking about like, all right, financial services and for me, what the hell do I want to do? What the heck do I want to do? Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking about, you know, what I was passionate about when I was coming home from work, what was I reading in my free time? And yeah. I was always, I was really interested in this intersection between tech and media, all the okay. digital platforms at the time, like, you know, the early day, days of, of Instagram and Snapchat and the earliest conversations of, uh, of VR. And so I found myself like, you know, going to Mashable and TechCrunch. I think at the time Mashable was a, a you know, a massive publication, maybe a little bit bigger than it is today, but yeah, uh, I haven't been on Mashable in a while, but um, just like that, that intersect convergence was just something so interesting to me. And I was kind of trying to figure out how, how to chart my course uh, mm -hmm. to, to kind of achieve it. Yeah. To get into that, that, that yeah. world yeah. Um, without necessarily having to start at the bottom. And like, there's nothing wrong with starting at the bottom if you're making that pivot. But for me, um, 
I looked at uh, getting an MBA is like that, that, you know, course correction, so to speak, that would sure. be to accelerate that process, to develop the network um, and just mm -hmm. like the educational foundation that I would essentially like build, you know, my, the next phase of my career upon. Um, so I started applying to business schools and, um, you know, apply, applied to a few and, and luckily got into UCLA. Uh, yeah, Anderson's MBA program. It's, it's a great program, and 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 just kind of weird, man. Is and I want to hear about how it affected you. Is that program is is really? I'm I'm connected to a lot of people for some reason in that program. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I mean it's yeah. it, it's great. And in fact, I got a, a a good friend who's an entrepreneur like you who came out of that program around the same time. Did you know a guy named Jordan Deal? D-I-L. Name sounds familiar. Yeah. But I can't, I can't pinpoint it, no. Okay, anyway, so that's my little side road tour that we just had, but taking you back to Anderson School of Management, right, at UCLA. Uh, so you got in there and you were excited about getting into that one? Yeah, it was... Um... For, for what I wanted to do mm -hmm. was uh, the best possible option. Obviously, like, you know, you have those, like, amazing other MBA programs that are top-notch that, you know, yeah. offer an, an incredible experience and, you know, education as well. But UCLA Anderson, just, like, proximity and network to all the big entertainment and tech companies between right. Silicon Valley and Hollywood. That um, made sense to what was pa you're passionate about. I mean, it kind of kind of brought it together and says, wow, this is, this is where I really want to be anyway. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, had I gone to, uh, you know, a school, an MBA program in New York or even mm -hmm. Chicago, and I was actually really considering Chicago, just like, you know, okay. because of the love that I have for the Midwest from my days right. in Indiana and, and going up to Chicago. But I mean, just the, the level of connectivity within the industry that I wanted to go into and yeah. UCLA really was the, the, the best one for me. And it was an incredible fit an incredible program. Like, you know, some of my teachers were, my professors were, you know, chairman of Vodafone and <laughs> chief strategy officer of Disney. And I'm like sitting in class and I'm, you know, really appreciating it because I'm like, people yeah. pay to hear these people talk for like right. 30 minutes, an hour. Right. And I'm literally having, you know, you know, classes with them twice a week. So I felt really, really fortunate um, and honored to, to, you know, have that experience. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, uh, that's great. And then you got into, I mean, TikTok. Yeah, I mean, it Man. was- a little bit of a road before that uh yeah. during school i did uh i was working full time okay um at one one of the one of the places i was working at was a company called whale rock uh and they okay. were developing direct to consumer apps for high profile celebrities and various organizations like sports franchises and leagues okay and i was you know i guess like my first foray in the you know, professional world outside of my, you know, the the MBA program um, within the world, the realm of digital media was working on the business development and the go-to-market strategies for the content apps for each of the Kardashians, which was, yeah, I mean, like, so, doing, yeah, like, yeah, that's crazy. Like, my, my mind was kind of blown. Uh, I was just like, wow, this is literally like my first job in this world. And I'm working <laughs> with like the biggest influencers on the planet. I, I'm told, and the Lakers? I mean, you had, yeah. oh my goodness, what I mean, a, like my a favorite, group of 
brands. I know. And my <laughs> one of my favorite ones was uh, doing that for uh, Formula One group. Um, yeah, yeah. And this was, I'm a big fan of F1. I know. I'm me, yeah. me too. Uh, like big, huge Lewis Hamilton fan. Yeah. And uh, he's literally the my favorite athlete on the planet. But um, this was under like a different ownership, and and seeing the success of the early stages of this this essentially like this content platform, this mm -hmm. OT content platform for Formula One Group after the acquisition by Liberty Media and that getting rolled up into Liberty Media and kind of seeing that success. And, and you know, just the, to be able to work on something that I was also, you know, passionate about um, in the sports world was, was amazing. And then, um, yeah, and then I ended up, uh, and then, then I ended up going to, um, <clears throat> it was at the time, Musical.ly, it was a pr uh, the predecessor to TikTok, but eventually. Okay, yeah. Um, and I had, uh, been introduced to who'd become my mentor, this guy, Ted Sue, who, uh, was the, uh, head of content <clears throat> at the time for Musical.ly. And he was, you know, at the time it was a tiny company. It definitely was starting to get some traction, but yeah. it wasn't really known in the world. Like it wasn't really like really known. Mm -hmm. It was definitely known within, the younger demos uh as, as like a, a platform that they like to go on but you know and asking anyone you know even my age at the time in in like the you know my mid mid 20s um or anyone older they'd be like what what is musically or maybe they had a like a kid you know yeah. uh, who was who was using the platform they're like oh yeah my kid loves that um and so i came in really early on uh as a 13th employee in it, working out of a three bedroom house in, in uh, Santa Monica <laughs> that was converted into an office. And it was amazing, um, you know, how tight the culture was, everyone just like, you know, in each other's, you know, business in the, in the best possible way. Yeah. Um, because, it, you know, when the team is that small and you're working on something so big that's, you know, touching so many people, um, everyone is helping everyone out. And so it was in, what, in what, what were you actually doing though? What were you guys, what were you trying to create? Because this, this to me, when I look at it was, was, was a real element of branding. So, and, and marketing. So tell, yeah. tell us about that. So um, the goal for the, to, to develop this platform was really to build the first music powered social network. Okay. So at the time you had Instagram, people sharing, you know, pictures, people sharing yeah. videos. And you also have like, you know, Snapchat and, mm -hmm. um, you know, a few other platforms. But this was really like, how do we build a platform that incorporates music um, in a way that really builds a different level of affinity and engagement and um, even retention? So, you know, you think about, I mean, this is really like a kind of like a meta meta conversation, but it's like, you know, you think about art and like how you define it. And the way that I define art is something that evokes emotion. It could be anything. Like people think about paintings on the wall, right? Like the, you know, like the one behind me, but like, you know, for me, I find paintings on the wall to be something that I feel like pretty indifferent about. So I would say like, if I had the hierarchy of art, like paintings would probably be down here, music. But I yeah. define like, for me, music is the most quintessential form of art for me because it has the ability to evoke an emotion mm -hmm. the shortest amount of time so to really layer that into this 
platform of like social connectivity brings a different level of uh, emotional connection with the community. Um, and so, you know, my particular job function there was um, music partnerships and, and growth and um, music being central to the entire platform gave me a lot of exposure to the rest of the business, uh, a lot of credibility in terms of the partnerships that I would develop. And, um, you know, my main goal when I was there was to uh, essentially do the licensing deals for, uh, with all the major labels to get the rights to have the music on the platform. Okay. Because content creators, like musicians, need to get paid, paid too. So mm -hmm. as opposed to just, you know, ripping it and, you know, not asking for permission and and asking for forgiveness later was uh, it's, it's something that a lot of other platforms do. And at that point, you know, musically had reached a level of notoriety that we couldn't afford to do that without getting sued. And not to mention that's just like not even really a fair thing to do. So um, yeah, I mean, from just like the licensing deals to get the music rights to have the music on the platform to the operational component to working with product you know, managers and the developers to develop uh, new music tools and video editing features that would um, really grow the the robustness and the experience of the platform, as well as the the music marketing, which is probably my favorite part of the job. Uh, you know, working with artists grow on the platform. So yeah, with like influencers and brands and running campaigns and. Metal. Yeah, and I think that is so important, and, and especially we're going to talk about because uh, we're going to take a break. I'm Vern Davis, your host of Plant Profits. Plant Profits is fueled by Protus Global. Michael Caymans is our guest today, and he's the co-founder and, and partner, obviously, at Open Nest Labs. And and uh, what we've been talking about is is going to lead directly into our conversation about Open Nest Labs, and that's when we return. We're going to take a quick break. Thank you very much. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. The plant profits are back to lead the pursuit of the promised land of plant profit. Only on cannabisradio.com. Hey, welcome back. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits, and my guest today is Michael Caymans, and Michael is uh, the co-founder and partner at Open Nest Labs, and Michael has had an exciting career starting out in, in finance, crunching numbers, doing stuff like that, and uh, decided he wanted to use his creative side more, and 
and and now he's he's you know uh, we talked about uh, a platform and TikTok and 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 the different things in the music world and the entertainment community and uh, and now he is a co-founder of Open Nest Labs. Uh, we're going to talk about Open Nest, but quickly, Michael, tell us how all that you did got you ready to do what you do now. Yeah, I mean. Um... <clears throat> from you know being at musically and, and yeah. running all the music partnerships to the the acquisition by the uh parent company the eventual parent company bite dance in china i ended up living in uh, beijing for a little bit of time okay um as part of the leadership team that led the rebrand from musically to TikTok. um and between you know the partnerships and and the rebrand and the marketing and leveraging you know social capital of artists and celebrities to help grow the you know TikTok, um, that definitely helped me quite considerably on you know my course to develop brands in the in the cannabis industry. And it wasn't until the end of twenty eighteen when I left uh, TikTok after my I guess my final stint in Beijing. Mm -hmm. came back and just really felt really strongly about jumping into the cannabis space and seeing okay. all the opportunities coming from, you know, the world of the venture, a venture back startup, mm -hmm. but also myself having a, you know, a really long relationship with the plant, which mm -hmm. you know, I like, I like to say that it's just a more elevated term for mm -hmm. being a pothead in, in high school. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you know, a relationship. Yeah. I, I hear that so much. I have this interesting relationship yeah. with the plant or I have yeah. this great relationship with the plant. I know. You smoke a lot of weed, man. You smoke a lot of marijuana. I was, uh, yeah, I was definitely <laughs> a pothead in high school and college. There's no question about that. I always think it's funny when I say that and I'm like, you know, let me just go back and say I was just straight up. I was a pothead in high school and college. But <laughs> You know, in the more recent years of my life, really discovered the therapeutic mm -hmm. uh, medicinal potential of the plant and, you know, stop smoking weed to get high, but really smoking, you know, weed to, um, you know, help with anxiety and stress and sleep. And um, it was a game changer for me. And actually funny, like goes back to my MBA program, like mm -hmm. the, the how I jumped ship into this industry. And one of my best friends from UCLA, uh, this fellow, uh, Dr. Jeff Chen, uh, when we were in cl uh, class together, he was doing his dual degree MD MBA, mm -hmm. uh, getting his medical doctorate and while doing his MBA. And when we oh, graduated, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a super, super smart, super yeah, smart guy. Yeah, I don't want to, he's definitely one of the smartest guys I know, but I don't want to toot his torn because I know he'll love it. But, uh, um, when we graduated, he became the founder and executive director of cannabis research at UCLA medical and seeing all the clinical research that he was doing and all the, the data that was coming out of that research was like really an inspiration for me. And, mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, when I got into the space, I was thinking about when I was starting to explore the space, I was thinking about, you know, where I could take my skill set that I had developed and expertise and apply that to this, um, you know, really quickly emerging industry. Uh, and, it was definitely on like the branding, the marketing, the partner yeah. side and yeah. It's well needed in the industry. Uh, as you know, the branding uh, and the marketing uh, I think is a, a big opportunity for the cannabis space. And so tell us exactly what Openness Labs is. Yeah, for sure. So came together with my three other partners because I would definitely be remiss not to 
to mention yeah. those guys because I love them to death and they're, you know, like my brothers. Um, and it's certainly like a, you know, like a, a love affair that we have for each other that makes working together in, absolutely incredible. But we came together and, and formed Openness as a, a cannabis venture studio. Essentially okay. a hybrid yeah. brand incubator and venture fund. Uh, and I guess the easiest way to think about it is just like a really early stage Diageo, mm -hmm. like house of brands. And, okay. Um, okay. yeah. And so we had a thesis on, um, developing these, you know, finding white spaces in the industry, developing these brands that, you know, really speak to these, you know, different types of consumers on both the THC side, mm -hmm. as well as the hemp CBD side, mm -hmm. um, then we went out in the early part of 2019 and started raising money in order to, you know, have, uh, you know, some funds at the parent company to, de to deploy capital into each of these brands as we started them. Right. Um, and then we got to work and, uh, you know, our first flag, which we call our flagship brand, because it's a brand that is, um, has the most legs and, and traction is a brand called Union Electric. Okay. Which is a California first THC flower brand um, that's affordably priced, essentially going after the everyday pot smoker from all mm -hmm. walks of life. Um, <clears throat> almost think about it like the Trader Joe's for weed. You know, you're too much about something, you know, something cheap, but uh -huh. something fresh and direct from uh -huh. farm and quality. Okay. And, you know, one of the things that we noticed was you know, people going to dispensaries where the market is today and what people want from the, like from a consumer perspective is, you know, they go into a dispensary, they might not necessarily really be loyal to a brand. There's not mm -hmm. too many brands that have done the branding that have built it's, like that type of brand loyalty. That, and, that is my point, right? Michael, yeah. that's my point. It, there's a big opportunity, you know, when you, I come from a, a company called Diageo, right? I mean, yeah. you know, we, our brands were known, our name wasn't. Yeah. Right. I mean, from a consumer perspective, but like, you know, from the, you know, from the professional side, like yeah. I know Diageo, like have unlimited, like infinite respect for, for that. Um, but one of the things that we noticed with the consumers going to dispensaries is like, they go in and they're like, what is the best weed I can get <laughs> at the cheapest price? Yeah. And that's how you command loyalty. So that's okay. what that brand was really all about. Got it. Um, you know, being able to fill that need for the consumer. Mm -hmm. And then along the way, we developed some other brands. We developed another brand on the hemp side that's really tapped into the world of medical research around cannabinoids, which you know we view as a major missing link within the yeah. industry, that bridge that needs to be built between medical researchers and the cannabis and, and hemp marketplace to really understand the power of these cannabinoids, what they do, and obviously, you know, almost a century of prohibition has really held back all this research. And so I like to say we know more about the rarest plants in the Amazon than we do about the power and the potential of the cannabis and hemp plant. And so one of the things that we did was we started making relationships with the medical community, obviously Dr. Jeff Chen at UCLA Medical, mm -hmm. another nonprofit medical research organization based down in San Diego called the Holistic Foundation, mm -hmm. um, which you know myself and my partners volunteer a significant amount of our time to help them out. Um, with raising money and um, really just putting, helping them disperse and disseminate the educational content that's coming out of their clinical trials. And we were discussing with them around um, the power of CBD and hemp around sleep. Um, and hmm. so 
through that, we ended up developing a, a brand on the hemp side called Real Sleep. Um, okay. That uses the power of, of CBD and another novel cannabinoid called CBN. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, in, in super layman, and, you know, I guess to just make, mm-hmm. be really basic about it, it's just like a, the cannabinoid that has sedative properties. Okay. Um, and helps, you know, from like preliminary studies and some of the clinical research that we've done on, on, on our product, you know, that cannabinoid and, and just the overall, you know, product that we've developed, you know, really helping people get restorative sleep without mm-hmm. making them feel groggy the next day. And it's, you know, it's all natural ingredients coming directly from a plant and minimal processing and not synthetic. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, those two brands have been super exciting for us. And in the process, we, you know, have been, you know, developing more brands in the pipeline with okay. um, two more launching at the end of the summer, uh, a premium cannabis brand called Pine Park that is really tapping into this intersection or the convergence of cannabis mm-hmm. and gaming similar to you know how music and cannabis are so intertwined obviously mm-hmm. maybe not in like the the same way but cannabis and gaming and there really has been no brand to really legitimize that cultural convergence mm-hmm. so we're really excited about that one working with a massive uh influential person within the world of esports this uh, man named, named Hector Rodriguez who's the CEO of uh of Optic Gaming which is the number one Call of Duty team in the world and Hector Oh my like, goodness. Yeah so Hector we like that's great. Yeah we like to call Hector the influencer of influencers he's like the the godfather of esports and 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 we're super excited to be working with him on that and bring that out to mm-hmm community and and so what, what and, a natural what a natural relationship yeah it, it really is i um, mean it's, it's it's amazing that that it hadn't been done right yeah you know I, I, it's it's hard to believe i, I mean i haven't even really seen a, anyone try mm-hmm. or attempt it um in a way that even seemed close to viable like i can't even think about any examples but um it's really interesting to see the early reception right now to our brand with Hector. That's not even launched yet. Um, oh. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, so that, that is crazy. I mean, Hector's, I mean, he's, he's going to be part of the, the play for a while. Um, yeah. But um, so before we break, t- tell, tell me, man, where are you headed with, with, with Ornell? Where, where are you headed with it? Where are you guys going and, and what's the vision? So, you know, with, with openness, we definitely want to continue building consumer brands. I think one of the things that we've noticed from working over the past few years on this is kind of like this existential question on the hemp side, Mm -hmm. which is like, is hemp CBD an industry in its own? Um, And, you know, I think what we're really coming to learn and obviously the, the jury's still out, but, you know, my feeling is that, um, you know, CBD and those cannabinoids are essentially ingredients um, for wellness products. And when you think about wellness, that is a whole CPG category in itself. That is so, huge, man. Yeah. As opposed to like a CBD business mm-hmm. that you're competing against other CBD brands. Essentially, the reality is CBD is like you're competing against CPG. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Yes. Yeah, so exactly. You know, I, I mean, there's a level of excitement with that. 
because you think about how much larger the addressable market is when mm -hmm. you break it down and you're like, okay, we don't need to just go after people who are only interested in CBD. There's, uh, you think about all the, you know, multivitamins and probiotics and like- Yeah, so, so do you see, let me give you an example. Do you see a scenario where my Advil would be, you know, there'd be an Advil with CBD. I got the brand already. Consumer knows my name. And, and there's some type of CBD that's in the Advil. I'm just using a word, a word that creates this desired uh, safe uh, re reaction uh, that's a, a part of a wellness play. That is, is that where you see CBD becoming more of a, a real natural ingredient yeah. to an in, yeah, to I a do. brand? I mean, like I definitely do. Um, I think, uh, I mean, it, it goes beyond CBD, uh, but I, I do think that there's a lot more like legitimate medical yeah. research that needs to be done to understand objectively what these compounds are good for before anyone can really start saying, like, let's just put CBD in everything. Because I think that yeah. we've experienced that already um over the past two years where like hardy's and carl or carl's jr was putting like cbd in their hamburgers like yeah. they, there was like they did a whole campaign on it and, and everyone's like oh man this is not good for the industry no that's not good i mean <laughs> when you get a cowboy out there like that that is not good man yeah Look, brother yeah. i'm i'm telling you uh, michael you guys are doing some really good things and and it's obvious that you need it in the the space uh i, I really appreciate you being part of uh our conversation uh, today. Uh, my guest, Michael Caymans, he is the co-founder and one of the partners at Open Nest Labs. And they're doing some really cool things by bringing some brands to life uh, in the uh, cannabis and the hemp CBD space. And I think that is a beautiful thing, man. And hey, I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits. And Plant Profits is brought to you by Produce Global. Uh, and uh, look, we have this amazing relationship with Cannabis Radio, and I really appreciate that. And I would want everyone who listened to the show to, to subscribe to the show on all major podcast outlets. Hey, download us. Um, you can go to Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, iHeart, anywhere you get your podcast fix, you can download plant profits. Thank you very much for doing that. Follow Produce Global on LinkedIn, all of the social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. And learn more how we are building companies and the work that we do, and how we're changing people's lives every day. And that's ProduceGlobal.com. That's P-R-O-T-I-S global.com. I'm Vern Davis, your host of Plant Profits. Until next time, cheers. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.